Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yo, yo, yo. What up? Welcome, everybody, to the Mayonaka Mixer. I am one half of your MCs, Black. Other half is Stinnator. That's me. All right. So we are going to be doing the podcast on basically the week's anime. So we're going to do the basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And so we'll be updating those animes, preparing you for... Wait, did I say Thursday? Yes, Thursday. Preparing you for basically the weekend anime. So looks like this week was basically a lot of um, build up to next week for a lot of the animes. So it looks like our podcast will probably be a little bit more of a recap more than anything. But you'll notice that as we go along. So to get it started, we will start on Monday. No, Monday wasn't really any anime that we go over personally. But from there, we can hop on to Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep, we got something for Tuesday. All right. First and foremost, Tuesday, you know, the one thing we talk about is Black Clover. Black Clover. So with Black Clover, the last episode we were talking about, we were updating the fight with Asta, the Granny Nun versus Sally, the crazy salamander chick. Bruno, the mud guy, and I can't remember the last guy, the little snow guy, but nonetheless, their battle continued with this uh, episode for this week. So continued on, and yeah, basically the, the recap and I guess you consider it the, the apex, the ending of the battle itself. So how did you feel about the episode, then, Nader? Um, at first, like when we started this arc, it felt very um, fillerish and stuff. Mm-hmm. But after watching this episode, like, I'm not so sure anymore, you know? I agree. Uh, it was like, I was like, oh, this is a little filler, you know, we're pulling away from, you know, the main bad guys and, you know, Ash is going to go visit his friend and her, and her uh, brothers and sisters and stuff. So we're like, oh, filler nonetheless. But yeah, by the time the end of this episode came, it was like, oh, this isn't a filler whatsoever. This is all part of the main arc. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay. Now, now we're back in the game. <laughs> right now, as they say, now things are cooking to say the least. So basically, episode was again Asta, the Granny, fighting against Sally and Borrow. So the match basically becomes a, a battle of attrition. You start noticing that it's hard for Asta and the Granny Lady to basically keep up protect the children that are all in the cave while at the same time defending versus Barrow, who's down this mud sludge type guy and along with Sally, crazy salamander chick. So <laughs> the battle ends up basically becoming a, a battle of attrition and we find that Goshe, I always call him G for sure because I can never get that man's name right. <laughs> G, after bailing out on the group, basically takes up his little sister and literally like skedaddles out of the whole cave. So <laughs> After a moment of clarity from his little sister, he decides to go back and help out Asta and the old lady. Um, G is basically, he's been done wrong his whole life. We find out a little backstory behind G. G's family basically was killed by other rich people who wanted their wealth. And literally, G and his little sister were basically hung out to dry. 
So these old people basically stole away the fortune of G. G came from a rich family. His family was really wealthy. And basically they stole everything, killed his parents off for the money and basically kicked them out. So they had nothing to fall back on. They literally was homeless. So G and his little sister that he cherishes so much, he basically decided to live for his sister. And you find out why he grows to have that, I guess, that brother complex with his sister. He basically had to do everything for her. So he resorted to stealing food, making sure she's fed and happy. He did whatever it took, whether it was uh, using his powers to steal money, to make sure that his sister had food or a place to stay, whatever it took to make sure his little sister was going to be okay. He did it. And he did that just due to the fact of, you know, hey, he got basically thrown out into the streets, him and his little sister. So you find out where his attitude basically goes. He doesn't really trust people due to the fact that he was thrown out into the streets. And you're like, okay, I get it now. It makes a little bit more sense. So, But the one part I liked about it the most is when they begin to talk about how G is basically invited to the Black Bulls. He ends up basically trying to break out of prison and crashes into his captain, Yami. And Yami, with his overpowering, like, abilities, basically just stops G in his tracks. G's like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out trying my best to fight. And um, Yami, seeing that, basically is like, well, if that's the case, why don't you come join my team? G's like, I'm a, I'm a felon, dude. Like, I went to jail for, like, basically stealing <laughs> stuff. I, I can't do that. I can't become – that's just like being a felon and becoming a cop. He's like, I don't think it works that way, you know. So, you know, G's like, I, I can't become a, a magic knight. That's not going to happen. And basically, Yami hits him with the, so, your point is. <laughs> it is, like, one of the more funnier scenes because it's like, Yami, you realize that Yami – for being a captain of all people. You know, he's a captain of what? Of the prestige magical knights. Like, you know, these there's only eight magical teams, magical knight teams, and he's one of those captains. And you get a little insight into Yami because Yami just is that. He's the renegade. You know, he's the black sheep you would call. And he's just like, uh, I don't really care what the rules are. I'm going to do what the hell I want. And that's basically how G ends up joining the Black Bulls. He's like, hey, you know, Come join us. And G's like, I can't. I'm a felon. And Yami's like, uh, I don't care. Live for your sister and come join us. And that's what happened. So with that little flashback, we see that basically G gets a change of heart. He runs back into the cave. And the whole time he's even going back into the cave to help Asta and the, the grandma, Lady Nun, he's like, they're going to run. There's no reason for them to stick around. They don't really care about the kids. And by the time he gets back, he realizes that Asta's not that type of person. And he realized that Asta and the granny lady, granny lady is still fighting versus Sally and the mud guy, even though the matchup is basically not the best for them. So that, in a sense, motivates G. G ends up using his powers to support Asta. You get to see one of the cooler scenes of the episode, which is G's power combined with Asta to create multiple clones of Asta. And Asta basically goes slice and dice and destroys the mud monster, along with taking out Sally as well. Probably one of the more cooler scenes of that episode for sure. Yeah, that that was like the the second best part of that episode right there. I agree. I, I think we both agree that what the, the the best the best part was, and we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so with the battle basically basically won via Asta and the grandma lady, 
and with the backup of G, we start to find out, okay, well, now that uh, the um, Borrow, the mud monster is basically taken out, and now Sally's actually taken out, that, okay, they finally got a chance of catching Sally, who's part of this, you know, basically renegade bad guy group. So we have a chance of catching one of them, sending them the question. And right as you think that basically they're going to capture Sally, lo and behold, the head honcho of the villains appear. You want to talk about throwing a monkey wrench into the uh, entire operation. Literally, they're still, I think they had just finished getting all the kids out the cave. So basically, Asta spent, grand, grand, or the, the grandma lady nun is spent, and G is spent. All their energies are shot. And now they have to deal with not just any villain, but the strongest villain that they have right now currently in the show, the leader of the bad guys at full strength. So you're just sitting there like, oh, shit, it's about to get real ugly for our heroes. And you're wondering how they're going to escape. Literally, the bad guy comes in with his light magic, literally puts basically cross daggers into G's legs, into almost Asta's entire body. If it wasn't for the fact that the granny uh, steps in front and literally takes the entire force of all these light daggers. And the episode ends with basically Asta looking up and noticing this and realizing that not only is the head leader of the bad guys here, he's pissed that they <laughs> actually beat up Sally. And so the episode ends with that, basically. So, yeah, it's uh, looking forward to next week. It's going to be a real episode because the previews tell us that Yami somehow, some way shows up to this match. And now you get a fight of light which ends up being coincidental that the light is <laughs> the bad guys and Yami even though he's a, a good guy he is actually dark his abilities use dark magic so it ends up being one hell of a match that it looks like is going to happen next week I can't I, I really look forward to next week's episode so like I guess we can thank Baja for that last episode <laughs> right <laughs> for Yami showing up we ragged on Baja so much two podcasts ago because it was like, dude, you had one job and you couldn't even do that job. But it looks like his message finally got through to Captain Yami. So it looks like we're set up for one hell of a battle next week. And this is kind of what I've been waiting for because um, when Yami first picked up Aston and stuff, you know, you think like, oh, this dude is just like all brawn or whatever and stuff. But can't wait to see this nigga's magic. Yeah, I think I agree. I think they built up pretty well to this. Like you, you don't get to see Yami fight, but clearly he's a captain for a reason. You see in different flashbacks of different episodes that he looks ridiculously strong. Clearly, he's strong if he was able to recruit all these other different, um, all these other different members to his team. But you haven't yeah. seen him fight yet. And you gotta think about this too, like um. Like when um, the capital got attacked, like some of those people weren't even captains. Right, like a lot of the people that were fighting alongside the uh, when the cap the capital riot episode weren't captains. They were just normal magic people, and they were pretty strong. You know, they were just they were part of a team, but they weren't the captain of the team. So you get to see that, and you're like, "Wow, these guys are pretty strong." But like, we, we it's a whole different level. 
Exactly. The captains are obviously the, the it guy. You know, the captains are strong. So we get to finally see that. And if anything shows from the trailer or the, should I say the preview, mm-hmm. next week is going to be one hell of an episode. So I look forward to it. Yeah, next week is going to be really well. <laughs> Prepare for it. Trust me. So, yeah, it should be pretty good. Black Clover has done his job, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the ride completely. So it's been one of those shows that I look forward to every Tuesday. And if you guys are thinking about picking it up, it's only about like 18, 19 episodes in. It's it's worth the watch, I promise. No, nah, man, it's 30. Last episode was 33. No, 33, see, that's why I know my numbers is off. We're already a solid two seasons plus into Black Clover. So that lets you know, if I'm not mistaken, it started fall of last year. And mm-hmm. we're already going into summer of this year. We're close to getting into summertime. So, yeah. It's a good show. Please, you should go check it out. Black Clover is, is one of it has the makings for a good show. You can only imagine where it's gonna go from here. All right, let's see. So oh, I have to give the update. So now the second show that I personally look forward to on Tuesday, there's three shows I look forward to. One is Black Clover, the second one is High School DXD, and the third one is the Outcast. Now, The Outcast is a little bit more of a complicated anime. It's a lot of old school terms and terminology, a lot of different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of translation words that it's hard to keep up with. And since it's already about 90 episodes in, I can't really explain it too much well over a podcast. I might have to save it as one of those animes to check out later when the series is done, because once it gets started, it's pretty good. But I will go over High School DXD because we talked about that last last podcast. So I know George doesn't watch it too much, so this will be mainly me talking about High School DXD. And the episode actually was pretty pretty interesting, but you sort of knew what was coming. So from last podcast, we knew that Issei was in a battle versus the Hero Faction, and we knew that basically his team roughly lost. Literally everybody in Issei's team from the House of Grimory basically got knocked out. And so they're all sitting there. Everybody's knocked out. Hero team basically looks like it's wrapped up. He say somehow with his ability to power up somehow summons his, basically his uh, president, his leader of the Grimmery household, Riaz. And so the episode last week ends with Riaz literally being summoned from the sky via a circle in her underwear. So literally the episode this week starts exactly from that. Rias literally appears in her underwear from the sky and <laughs> Issei is given one thing. Issei's toe to poke her boobs. Pretty simple, pretty obvious. That's what happens when your protagonist is a perv. So nonetheless, <laughs> Issei tells her, I'm going to poke your boobs. And of course, Rias with slight denial, she's like, uh, Sure, whatever it takes. If that's what's going to help the situation out, go for it. Can I stop you right there? <laughs> go for it. I just, I just want to um, harp on the fact that he asked for consent before he touched your boobs. I like that. <laughs> this is true. He say <laughs> being a perv nonetheless does have respect for the harm that he is creating in some way, shapes, or form. None of these girls do anything that they don't want to do. They all he always acts, which is, I think, is one of the more hilarious things. It's like, um, he does act, he's pretty respectful, but when that switch is flipped, he turns into the guy that we sort of know he always. So, 
And so, <laughs> yeah, it's classic. Classic Issei. If you've watched Issei for four seasons, you know what I mean. It's Issei. You get it. It's, it's hey, we, we understand what the show's about. So Issei asks. Um, Rhea says, sure, go for it. And Issei powers up. Now, literally, this is probably one of the more cooler parts of this episode. Issei powers up. And not only does he get a tremendous power boost in his ability to basically blend with the Red Dragon Emperor, he gains not one, not two, but three different forms. So literally, he powers up. The first form they show is him basically putting two cannons, Blastoise, old school Pokemon style, on his back and basically shooting a beam that roughly was strong enough to tear out the dimension that they were fighting in. So literally, he shoots this blast. The hero faction, one of the people are like, hey, we can stop this beam. And the leader of the hero faction is like, ah, you thought? And he literally pulls everyone away as this beam shoots literally across half of a city and tears into the dimension that they're in. So they realize that Issei's not playing anymore. Issei is ready to ball. So at that point, Issei changes to his second form. His second form basically puts, I believe, gauntlets onto his hands in a sense. And he uses that to basically power smash the leader of the hero faction. His name is in the anime is Cow Cow, spelled C-A-O-C-A-O. Pronounce that however you want. It's two <laughs> syllables in Japanese. My Japanese is nowhere near perfect, but I'm just going to read it the way that I see it and pronounce it that same way. So it's Cow Cow to me. But literally, Issei punches him to an entirely another world. Well, not literally, but literally punches him and knocks him all the way into the ground to the point that even Cal Cal had to defend so much and he admits that if he didn't block with his special spear, his spear of truth, his spear of light, he would have died. So at that point, Issei begins to power up into the third mode and the third mode puts extra boosters onto his backs. So basically allows him to run a little bit faster and you're like, okay, Issei's really going for the kill shot. And right as Issei's about to go for the kill shot, it ends. It's like, wait. And as it pauses, it's like, how do I explain this? Another dimension's torn, and all of a sudden, a second character pops up. The second character ends up being, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's sort of like, um, what's Goku's, Son Goku. So we already have a Son Goku in DXD Hero. But this one is a being basically the first in, the first carnation of Son Goku. Literally, it's an old guy that looks like a monkey. But we <laughs> realize that as soon as he pops up, that this guy is pure for the business. This guy pops up. He's riding a dragon, one. And his dragon's so strong that his dragon joins into the fight. Because remember, they are trying to subdue the, the nine-tailed fox, who is the person that they're trying to save. She's under a spell. So literally, this guy jumps off his dragon and tells his dragon, go stop her. His dragon says, sure, I got this, confidently. Runs over and within roughly two minutes, finally subdues the nine-tailed fox that they've been trying to save this whole time. So you know that, obviously, this guy literally jumping off of the dragon is pretty strong himself. Cow Cow tries to literally fight him instantly, and with one finger, stops Cow's Cow's attack. This guy is literally almost OP. You know, we hear OP. Yeah, he's like OP, OP. And Issei doing his own thing is like, oh, well, if you're helping me, I'm not going to do it. And the old guy's like, nah, 
this is your battle. I'm just here to sort of to sort of watch and see what the heck's going on. You know, I lended a little bit of my help, but the rest is yours. So it's, it's like I got this, and delivers the finishing blow to Cow Cow. Cow Cow realizes that he has no shot of winning this battle, and they take off. And so basically, that's the end of the match. I guess it's in a draw in a sense because Issei being the, I guess, the the leader of the group at the time, he says, like, I want to land at least one good shot on Cow Cow. I don't care what it takes. So Issei powers up, his, uses all his energy, swings one punch, and it shoots a blast towards Cow Cow. Cow Cow begins to try to dodge, but somehow the blast hits him in the face and literally leaves Cow Cow with his eyes swollen and closed. And that pisses off Cow Cow to the point that he's ready to unleash his ultimate attack. But his friends are like, don't do it. We'll save that for later. So, of course, that sets up for your next season of DXD because that's like, okay, well, nobody's used their ultimate attacks yet. Obviously, there's going to be some fallback into another season where they have to meet again. So, after that, basically... The trip that Issei and the group is on basically ends. They save the fox lady. She comes back to normal. And Issei now has a new friend in the fox lady's daughter. You know, fox lady daughter, her name was Kuno, basically is like, when are you going to come back to Kyoto? Uh, Issei's like, we'll come back soon. We'll bring the whole family this time. And basically, that's the end of the episode. So basically, that wraps up the little part of High School DxD Hero. But nonetheless, there's still more to go on. Issei's family have to begin to prepare for what's called a rating game. And it's basically like almost like a chess piece matchup where literally each of the members of the house are like different chess pieces. So Issei's a rook or um, Kanoko is a pawn and stuff like that. So they begin that one. And that basically starts the second half of the season of high school DxD heroes. So nonetheless, again, it's, uh, anime it's etchy you understand what it's about plot plot and more plot but the storyline does become pretty decent and it makes it about plot but nonetheless the storyline helps you watch more of that plot and actually keeps your attention you know it, we get what it, the anime is made for but nonetheless the storyline is actually driven to a point where you're like okay this is pretty good to watch i'm interested i'm invested a little bit more while you're watching your plot so <laughs> that's high school DxD in a nutshell for that episode. So yeah, again, if you like boobs, that's your show. I cannot say anything else beyond that. You know it from episode one and four seasons in, it hasn't let up whatsoever. So yeah, that's high school DxD for you. George, you have I mean, Stinator, you have to watch this sooner or later. Trust me. You'll <laughs> Sooner or later, you'll drop into the world of DxD, and I will tell you I told you so so many times. <laughs> I, I guess I will give it a shot since you're recommending. <laughs> I, it, it's again, you know what it's about. It's so much plot, but at the same time, it's one of those shows that once you start watching, you're like, okay, I think I'm invested in this. It's, it's pretty, it's funny, and it's just one of those things. You just like, gosh, it, it it can't get any crazier, can it? But it always does. So. <laughs> All right, so that's for Tuesday. Wednesday Wednesday does have a decent lineup of anime, but we're only going to talk about one. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Wednesday mm-hmm. has anime. One of the ones I know we're going to go over soon is going to be Boruto, Naruto's Next Generations. Everybody knows of Naruto, but we're talking Boruto is basically about Naruto's son. 
sooner or later we'll get into that. It's a few episodes in. Actually, it's a lot of episodes in. It's at episode it's like, nine. As it's nine out. Yeah, so we'll get into that soon, but not this week. Maybe in another week or two we'll jump into that. Just because it's a lot and we want to give a good breakdown onto it, especially since there are many, many Naruto fans out there. They're going to want the full detail on the show. So Yeah, like, we'll, we'll come back and, like, give certain shows their own breakdown and stuff. Yeah, we'll, we, we plan on adding more and more shows to the lineup to talk about. And there's so many good shows that are out right now that, seriously, we haven't even been able to chance to get to a lot. Like, I know yeah. there's one show that's called... Um, is it called Magical Magical Girl Sight? And it's a pretty dark anime, but I've enjoyed it when I've watched it. Literally, I'll watch two episodes. I'll binge, wait a couple of weeks and watch two more episodes. Basically, everything that you think about Magical Girls is turned completely upside down. It's, it's a pretty brutal and pretty violent anime. I was actually shocked when I was first watching it. I was like, oh, wow, it's this type of show, eh? But it's been a really interesting watch, and it's like, okay, it, it keeps you on edge the whole time. And we haven't even had a chance to talk about that, and that's already six, seven episodes into the season. So there's more anime we'll be adding, but we split it up to try to give you guys a little bit to watch here, a little bit to watch here, a little bit to talk about, you know, try to break it up into pieces so that you guys get your anime feel. We don't want to overstuff you as we do these podcasts either. Yeah, because um, another one to look out for, um, Bungo Stray Dog, Stray Dogs just started back up. Oh yeah, and that's a really good one. Yeah, they have a movie coming out for it, don't they? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I think the movie might have already aired. Did it? I, I think it might have as well. If I'm not mistaken, the movie released, they did a theatrical release in the U.S. as well at selected theaters. The show is really, really good, and it's just starting back up. So sooner or later, we'll have to give you a full breakdown on that one so that you guys can get into that one as well. But it's an anime that I've only watched two episodes in. I know Stint Nader, I think, is all the way fully caught up on it, and mm-hmm. it's a really good show to watch. So I've been, I'm looking forward to watching it and talking about it on the podcast and I know Stinator's looking forward to breaking it all down as well. Yeah, right. but um, what do we got? Oh, well, you know what we got next. So, skipping Wednesday, because we're not talking about anything on Wednesday. We shoot straight to Thursday. The anime that we consider, I think we both are considering this might be a, a nice dark horse to the anime of the year when we're, we're watching this anime. And that anime is Miguelo Box. Uh, you could pronounce it a couple of different ways. I say Miguelo. Some people say Majalo. Majalo? Megalo. I say, <laughs> I say Megalo Box because that's just the way that I'm reading it. Again, your pronunciation, if you understand what it means, by all means, you know, okay, we're good with it. But when we say <laughs> it, you know, if it has box on the end, we know what show we're talking about. So. Nonetheless, yeah, I think this is a hit. this might be a dark candidate for anime of the year in some places. I, I'm sort of starting to lean that way. Yeah, because sports anime usually doesn't get the hype that um, you know other genres, especially shonen genres, get. But it shouldn't be slept on. No, not at all. And I mean, it, this this anime we talked about it once before, really well put together and. 
the storyline has kept you interested the whole way. So this, again, for episode eight that we're going to talk about real quick, episode eight was talk about a buildup. It was the buildup to the next episode, nonetheless. So as we know, episode seven ended with Joe, our protagonist. He goes by Gearless Joe in the show, but Joe, nonetheless, is his name. He goes, basically, was preparing for his fight. Joe's been building up all these matches to try to get into the tournament of the, the main show. And I think it's called Mega Golia, if I'm saying that yeah. right, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, uh, yeah, basically a four-person tournament to find out who's the best boxer in the land, in a sense. And so Joe, being from the slums, which is his background, finds a way to basically establish himself in the boxing world to earn his chance to get into this tournament. The last episode shows that he's supposed to have a fight with one person, literally the last person he has to fight in order to make it to this tournament. But literally at the very end of the episode, Joe's past comes back to bite him in the tail. And literally due to that, his trainer knocks out Joe and basically they forfeit the match, which meant that Joe was not able to make it to basically the tournament, the Miguelion tournament. So with that, there's a little bit of backlash. Joe's pretty pissed off at the fact that his trainer did that, but his trainer's like, look, we have to come from this at a different angle. Knowing the background of Joe at first, Joe started off in an underground, um, underground, um, basically underground, uh, what, fighting, I guess, yeah. fighting ring. Basically and, like fight club types shit. Exactly. And, and a lot of the matches were rigged, literally was rigged by Joe's trainer to basically make money. So that pass ended up basically coming back to bite Joe and his trainer back. And with that, they didn't want that publicity to hit the hit basically the I guess the the media in a sense and that to come back to bite them and they can't get into the tournament. So they end up basically turning tail and running away from the last fight that it would have took for Joe to make it to the major fight, you know, the the big dance basically. The final four, if you want to say it that way. So this episode is basically trying to figure out a way to basically get Joe the chance that he earned, the chance that he deserves. So one thing I liked about this episode, you basically got to see all the characters in a sense. Each mm-hmm. character that's been developed up to episode eight, you get to find the head, the head lady of all the corporation that's throwing basically the Magellan fight, the basically the tournament. You get to see her. You get to see her brother, who is supposed to fight Joe for this last spot in the tournament, and they have hidden motives between them. Brother and sister are not getting along as brother and sister. Both of them have different paths, and both of them want to go one way. And, you know, basically, there's a lot of hidden agendas in this that you get to find out between the brother and sister. And just the, the dynamics between the sister and brother, the dynamics between Joe's trainer and the and the sister. There's a lot that goes on in this episode, but the majority of this episode is the build up to the fight. So the what within the last five minutes, that's you know everything of what this episode was. Literally, we're watching Joe. We're watching the um, uh, help me out here. The the girl. I, I can't remember her name because they rarely oh, say it. Tour. 
Yeah, it's like Shiro Tara. I think that's their family name. But we're watching the granddaughter that, that's basically ruling the company. We're watching her about to give the last ticket to her brother. Literally, as this is happening, she's about to hand her brother the ticket, which she honestly doesn't want to do due to the fact that because there's hitting motives and they don't get along. But literally, as she's handing the ticket, Joe rolls up on a motorcycle and is like, I deserve my chance. And again, only thing that the media knows is that Joe forfeited his match. So now with Joe rolling up and saying that I deserve my chance, the media is like, something's going on. We don't know what, but something happened. And if he's still here saying that he wants to fight, we should do something about it. Now, throughout the entire season, the, the girl of the corporation, of the Shirato Corporation, has basically been, I guess, thrown for a loop in a sense, giving basically like emotions. You know, this, the woman, when you see her, basically is sort of like an emotionless robot. And she's basically only cares about the corporation and making sure the corporation succeed. But she's giving basically um, emotional moments throughout the anime, showing her, okay, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I shouldn't go, you know, the normal path. Maybe I should do it a different way. And out of character, to say the least, she basically decides that, okay, well, instead of giving the ticket, this is what I'm going to do. And literally, as she's about to hand the ticket to her brother, she snaps the ticket in half and gives one half to Joe and one half to her brother and says that basically whoever wins this fight between you two makes it to the tournament. And that's literally your episode. It was the hype to basically prepare for the next episode, which we all know is going to be Joe versus her brother. And that's going to be one hell of an episode, nonetheless. Yeah, because I, li- I like this episode and the build-up because at the beginning, you know, it's mostly like trying to get a backstory and all this sneaking and all this stuff around. And you got you got to realize this dude, Joe, and his trainer's life are on the line with this this gamble. Very true. Like they're they guaranteed winning in first place in this um tournament. And <laughs> the, There's pressure. Um, the pressure. Yeah, the pressure's real. And it's crazy because like Joe feels like none of the pressure because you know his trainer lies to him and stuff. Oh we're good and all this stuff. But <laughs> Joe doesn't know like at any moment, if they mess around and don't win this, <laughs> he's dead, basically. Yeah, their lives are over, and we mean over as in, like, the, the, the axe is being cut. Like, they're done. Yeah. And um, <laughs> finally, um, the leader of the company shows some decisiveness. She's been very indecisive this whole se- season. She has. She's like a robot. It's weird watching her. Like, she doesn't show emotion. You're just looking at her and looking at her eyes. You're just like, God, it's like a robot. It's literally like just watching a robot move around. And I think that was probably one of the cooler parts of the show is just seeing her actually show emotion. And instead of staying on the beaten path, straighten the arrow, she decides to veer left a little bit. And that makes for one hell of a matchup between Joe and her brother. There's so many little sub sub moments of it, and it's just like, dude, this fight is going to be epic. So, 
and uh, and still like in the mean in the meanwhile like this dude Yuri's just lurking in the background like y'all can fight over second place or fourth place or whatever because right. I'm winning everything. <laughs> And you got to think, like, it, it clearly takes a lot to obviously make it this far as they did. All these fighters had to basically fight the entire time in order to make it to these points. Only four basically tickets into this match, you know, into this this mega tournament, in a sense. Yeah, it's so like four, four tickets out of, what, thousands of boxers? You mm-hmm. have to have it. So you have to be good, you know? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's what's crazy about it. Like, we already know Yuri was going to be the first one in and stuff, but everyone else had to, like, fight and scrape for their lives to get here, especially Joe. Oh, Joe Joe started off the worst. Joe started, like, rank, like, what, like, 300 and something out of all these? Mm -hmm. And that's just out of this, the the major people that made it out of the thousands that basically made it to the rankings. He started at 300 and had to win every single match he went against in order to make it this far. Literally, I think Joe is ranked like 13th or something crazy like that, or maybe seven, and he had to make it from 300 or something. So you know that clearly Joe had a lot of climbing. Like it took a lot of work and Joe's boxing skills in order to accelerate and make it this far. And so that's what makes this la- this next episode so cool to watch. So the one thing I know for sure as I was watching the ending of this episode, I love the quotas this episode. It, episode mm-hmm. they do it by rounds and so with this being the eighth episode they call it round eight the ending quote was the name of the episode deadline of the dream the end quote was no one else tells you when it's time to give up on your dream mm-hmm. and i thought that sim that that summarized the entire episode even though that they felt that they were put in a corner and had to quit due to their past coming back up Joe never gave up. Joe kept training. Joe was just like, I just need one shot. And literally with the commotion that he causes at the award ceremony to get the last ticket, the woman somehow changes her mind and get and splits the ticket in half and tells him fight for it. Whoever basically wins the next match gets the full ticket. And there you go. Yeah, because he could have easily like just gave up when um his trainer went to go talk to the uh, company lady. He could have easily just gave up because he was like, oh, well, she didn't go for it and stuff. Like, uh, I failed, you know? Yeah, Pops was down in himself. Pops was pretty tripped out, you know? She ended up locking him in a room and was like, I'm done with you. And Pops was just sitting there just freaking out. But yet, Joe being that stubborn, as they call him, stray dog in the show, didn't give up. And now we have this fight to prepare for. And the next episode, we know we're going to get one hell of a matchup. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy oh. because like all this boxing and stuff, every everyone is highly above this dude Joe. Not in skill or anything, but they're at an advantage because they have the gear. And right. <laughs> some of the best gear, and like supposedly, um, the company girl's brother supposedly has the best gear ever. <laughs> Yeah, like he he made his own gear and he literally made it to the point that it helps out what he does, what he wants to do in the ring. And what makes it crazy about Joe is Joe uses zero gear. That's where his nickname Gearless Joe comes from. He uses no gear. He's gearless in the ring. So he's going against all these people whose punches are like all souped up and powered up due to the gear that they wear. 
and yet he's in there with just just pure fist and skin, and you're just like, how is he winning these matches? So clearly, Joe's boxing ability is obviously on another level in order to make mm-hmm. it this far. <laughs> he, he's um, a far shot from that guy he was in the first episode. Agreed. Yeah, like he, he he's becoming real polished, which I think is pretty cool. So, but with that, yeah, we just look forward to the next episode of of um Miguel Box. It looks forward to it. So, and I must say that when the show goes off, that ending theme is so good. My goodness, <laughs> like I'm telling y'all that 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 song is so catchy. Like once you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, this is real catchy. Like wasn't prepared for this, but I, I like it. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm more of a fan of that um that opening thing. The opening thing, it, yeah. it, it's weird, you know. It takes a little bit of time to catch up, like catch on, but it it is good. But give me the ending. I, I'll root for the ending. You can have the the opening. <laughs> I'll take the ending. We perf- we we're perfectly fine with those decisions. So, all right. So that wraps up the anime that we're doing. Um, I'm going to leave one recommendation or recommendation, Lord, one recommendation of an animated checkout. Uh, it's been updating also along the days of Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. And I think I talked about it once before, but I wanted to reiterate how good of an anime it is. Anime I'm referring to is Steins Gate. Um, I talked about it a little bit more on our uh, opening podcast, our very first podcast that we did, but it's on episode seven. The difference between uh, what's the Stein Gate that's on right now is that the original uh, show is called Stein's Gate. The one that's on right now is called Stein Gate Zero. So the reason that it's called Stein Gate Zero is because in the original show of Stein's Gate, there are two of the easiest way to explain this because it is a little bit of a complication. Um, I would just say, if anything, put two fingers out. Look at your two fingers. Your left finger is basically one timeline. Your right finger is the second timeline. In the original Stein Gate, you're the first timeline, which is your left finger. That's where the entire show took place. But there is a second timeline. And so the main character decides that instead of going into the main timeline, which is your left finger, he decides to go into the second timeline, which is his right finger which means that everything that he decided to do in Steingate was basically invalid and basically created an entire another um, alternate, alternate timeline in a sense. So basically, Steingate Zero basically talks about everything that he didn't decide to do. And so it's really, really starting to show, okay, even though he decided to do everything in his second timeline, Everything from the first timeline is somehow starting to tie in. And it's starting to get to a really, really good point where literally the timelines are crashing to each other. And everything that he had thought he escaped is coming back to our main character, Rentero. So good show that I would recommend to check out. If you like thrillers and if you like anime that make you think, Stein Gate is going to give you absolutely all of that and more, along with a really good cast as well. So that's another anime to check out. Stinator, do you have one that maybe people can check out as they go throughout their weeks? Uh, sure, yeah. I, I got one. It's Hayoka. Yeah, it's basically a high school anime, but it's it's not the typical like uh, let's go to school and all that type of shit. It's um, <laughs> it's a mystery anime. Oh, I love mystery animes. And like the main character, he's 
he's like the laziest dude ever. Like if he doesn't have to do it, he won't do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he meets a girl that, you know, she's very curious and stuff. And whenever she says a magic word, like I want to know, he, he puts all the energy and finding out the answer for her. So basically he's unmotivated until his friend basically gives him the motivation. In a sense. Pretty much like, like all high school kids, you know, he he's motivated by a pretty girl. Ah, well, that normally happens in high school. Yeah, so like it's it's a cool little mystery anime. Uh, so then like twenty two episodes. Okay, I've been actually. I think I've been looking at this anime. I've seen little clips of it here and there. I'm actually literally on my Crunchyroll app, and I'm gonna put it in my queue to check out myself. So anything that deals with mystery anime high school and stuff like that i'm a pretty good sucker for so nonetheless i'll be checking this out myself maybe we'll be adding it to the list of anime you should check out and maybe we'll give it a review one of these days yeah like once alvin watches it we'll we'll give it a full review <laughs> we promise that once once it's watched we, we're going to talk about it all right ladies and gents that is basically it for this podcast appreciate you guys tuning in we always do um, look forward to our next podcast, which will be on Saturday. Saturday, of course, is the day of My Hero Academia, One Piece, and all of our hot animes. So look forward to our podcast on Saturday. Until then, we'll catch you later. Peace. Peace.